Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. We are so very excited to be here with you today and to be talking about uh, something that we haven't stopped talking about since it happened, and that is our topic for season nine, how is your heart? Um, It's a big, big conversation. So um, without further ado, I'm going to say hello to my incredible, fantastical co-host, Tova, and uh, let's kick it off. How are you today, Tova? I am, I am good. I am happy that it feels like fall. Mm, Um, We have talked about this. This is what we're almost on two full years, three full years, something like that. Three full years. Is it three years? Oh my goodness. It will be when we hit January. And so, you know, that I have a fascination with seasons at this point. Yes. And like, I'm always surprised about like the magic (laughs) that happens at the turn of every season. Which is really a great for you that it's a surprise every time. <laughs> I wish it was for me. <laughs> and you're like yet again, I'm like, oh, look, the leaves are changing. Isn't that neat? <laughs> How did that um, happen? It got cooler. What's going on? Um, like last night, I wore a robe that I haven't worn in a while. That's very nice because it was cool enough to wear a robe. Right. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Now, that is setting aside that all of my children have fall allergies and don't acknowledge it, and so. That is a different challenge, but it feels yeah. like fall. Yes. There is a Dutch oven on top of my stove that's in the shape of a pumpkin. So I will take it. <laughs> so it's definitely fall then. That's yes. how I can tell the seasons are changing. The decor behind you changes. Yeah. Um, and if you want to see it, check out our YouTube channel. You can uh, you can see <laughs> nice. Tova's ever-changing seasonal decor and my messy bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, well, everyone... Today, we were talking about something that um, I am like excited and horrified to talk about because this is something I am personally struggling with at the moment. And so um, I was thinking about it this morning and I was like, oh God, what if I get super personal on the show? Which is of course what I mean to do, but like also somewhere inside of me, I'm like, no, don't tell people that. Um, So I think it'll be a great episode, a great conversation that we're about to have. And we want to hear your thoughts feedback, your thoughts, and uh, especially because what we're talking about today is in answering the question, how is your heart? We're talking about physical health, including the uh, ominous diet culture that pervades our society and um, how all of this plays into answering that question of, you know, how is your heart? How, how not just like physically is your heart, you know, functioning, but how does all of your physical health come into play when we're answering the question? So big topic today. I have big feelings about this topic. I know Tova does as well. And uh, and so I'm excited to have the conversation. Tova, you did the research for this one. Um, so get ready for lots of statistics, everyone. Very exciting. <laughs> um, but I'm going to let you kick it off uh, from where you think maybe the conversation starts and then we'll go from there. Yeah, this one was an interesting one to research. So as everyone knows, um, I, you know, recently have had some pretty significant surgery. And so this concept of the body in general has been um, different for me in the last couple months than it has in, in general. And I have worked very, very very hard, um, in the last many years to like embrace my body and celebrate my body and yes, be the healthiest version of myself because I want my joints to last a long time and I want to live a long time, but also not have clothing in my closet that I'll wear when I lose 10 pounds or whatever. And right. And so it is, and I don't mean to dismiss that feeling because it's a really hard feeling to work through, mm-hmm. but to focus on eating food to nourish me and to not think of food as being good food or bad food 
and just all of these different feelings. And all, by the way, at the same time, like as we record this, this afternoon, I'm going to an appointment with my metabolic doctor who I haven't seen in a while because I did not lose weight after the baby and I ate babies. And I did, um, you know, feel like my body wasn't reflective of like what I was eating. And so I felt like I needed to have a deeper look as to like, wait a minute, I, I eat this way, I exercise and you know, so there's, it's a very confusing topic is my point. And so yeah. the research was confusing and lengthy because I wasn't sure where to, where to start. And frankly, every topic that we're going to dive into this afternoon, this morning, I guess it's still this morning um, for us, whenever you're listening to us, um, could be a season, honestly, yeah. unto yes. its own. Um, forget its own episode, but like a whole season. Right. And so I started with this concept of why it matters for us to be kind to ourselves and kind to other people, right? Because having this conversation about how is your heart isn't just about you personally, but it's also about building a community where we feel comfortable to ask that question and to answer that question. And so what does that look like? What does, what does kindness, why does it matter? But more than just like, why does it matter in the grand scheme of life? But like, why does it matter to our body? Right. Because when we are talking throughout this season, we are going to talk about our mind and body. And we believe that it's, it's one big thing. And so it was great because the research that I came across wasn't like, kindness doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Like be your most selfish best self. Um, (laughs) which is, you know, good on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, I think we should actually have more selfishness in our, in our country and, and don't, well, not in our country, but in women, um, our country has plenty of selfishness, but in women specifically. Um, and, and I'm not going to go down the road because I just finished a book that makes my head explode. And I, I've, I've meditated and walked it out. So it would be at a better place when we, when we did this recording. Um, so anyway, um, why is it important to be kind to ourselves and others? And several studies show several studies show, and, and you can rely that the studies that we're looking at have a large number of people that they're looking at and, variety of cultures, right? So one, the United States, one was in Japan, like not just, not just like one in New York city for 10 people. These are like big studies have shown that exercising kindness boosts happiness levels, which that makes sense. Um, but further it promotes healthier aging. It can boost your self-esteem. It can support your immune system, improve the health of your heart, boost, um, feelings of self-worth, improve anxiety, reduce pain, fight stress, improve depression, and reduce blood pressure. So this is just, I think, amazing. I think we all can tell sometimes that like people who are nice, kind, um, I'll use that. I don't think those words are interchangeable, but I'm using them interchangeably for this moment, um, are just happier, but they could actually be physically healthier. And um, one of the studies was from UNC Chapel Hill. And what they did was they wanted to see if practicing loving kindness meditation, so a very specific type of meditation, um, could help slow aging. And so they took a group of 142 middle-aged adults and um, some were given mindfulness meditations some were given loving kindness meditations and some were like a wait list, like, oh, we'll get to you. But they were really the control group. They just didn't know it. And so they did this six week workshop and um, the meditation groups had to attend classes, like lengthy classes once a week, and then had to meditate at home as well every day using a specific recording. And so they were looking at, now this is where it gets in the nitty gritty. And then I'll, uh, hand it over to Riley to like expand what I'm saying. Cause I definitely went into the weeds in some of these studies, but um, they were looking at telomeres, which are markers um, that are hallmarks for aging. And so they were looking to see like, basically, I guess not knowing a lot about DNA, but a telomere length is directly related to longevity. And so they found that the loving kindness meditation group lost significantly less telomere length than the other groups. 
Um, and that like any meditation was better than no meditation, but um, the loving kindness meditation actually had significantly better results than both the, um, the mindful meditation and then the do nothing. So this isn't just like, well, we think it does something like it actually affects our body practicing kindness. And so, you know, and it's not even just, and I think this is the really important part. It's not just about like holding the door open for somebody, which is super nice and you should do that, but it's about being kind to yourself. It's about just thinking about kindness is about feeling kindness for yourself that can actually have these benefits. Yeah. So I think what that means practically, right, is when you start thinking inside your own mind, right, when that inner monologue starts and it is mean or nasty or unpleasant or critical or all those things, um, that's not loving kindness, right? Like that is not practicing kindness. Having kindness and compassion for yourself and your body and the body your soul is currently existing inside of um, is one of the ways in which you can not just help your body last longer, but like have a more enjoyable experience of living. And so what we're focusing on today is, you know, sort of twofold. It's, and, and I, I think we're starting sort of at the, at the, at the, what you should do part, as opposed to the, the what's happening really in most people's lives part. But when we start these sorts of, you know, and just to backtrack, we always recommend meditation. Like there is a reason we recommend meditation and it is not just because we really enjoy quiet time. It is like very, very good for your body, your spirit, your mind, your soul, all of the things. Um, and so however you can get it in there, get it in there because it will make a difference. But beyond that, um, when we talk about loving kindness, the more compassionate you are with yourself and, um, whatever it is you're going through, whether you're, you know, a teenager going through puberty, whether you are in your twenties and you're, you know, like suddenly realizing, oh my God, I'm aging. Or if you're like me and you're turning 45 this year and you're like, oh my God, what happened? Um, you know, being compassionate towards yourself as to whatever it is you're feeling and accepting those feelings. And I'm speaking from a position of like really struggling with this right now. So I understand that people out there are going to go, yeah, okay, that's all nice and fine and good. But like, I really don't like the inner tube around my stomach, or I really don't like that I can't walk up a flight of stairs without being out of breath, or I really don't like that suddenly, you know, I have kidney stones because I'm aging or, you know, my knees hurt in the mornings or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're experiencing, not, um, I'm not dismissing that because it's real and it's a lived experience. I am living the experience. Tova's living the experience. We understand that, but there are better ways to talk to yourself about it than to say, well, I'm just getting old and it's too bad. Um, or if I just worked harder, it would go away. Right? Like that's, that's not compassionate towards yourself and it's not compassionate towards your body, which has probably given you a great deal of joy throughout your life. Um, so I got a little off track there, (laughs) but what we're, you know, what we want you guys to focus on as you listen through the season is how is your heart encompasses more than the physical health of your heart. It encompasses more than your relationships with other people. Um, it's, it's a huge question. And a big part of that question is how are you treating yourself and not just your emotional self, but your physical self? I mean, they're obviously very connected, but, um, you know, how are you talking to yourself? How are you thinking about your body? How are you thinking about how you move through the world? Um, and that can be so deeply connected to how people have talked to you in the past, Mm -hmm. how you grow up, um, what your family dynamics are like, what culture is telling us is, you know, good, which I, Um, I don't even have words for how much I dislike that and how impacted I am by it myself. Um, but it, it's, it's a much bigger conversation. Yeah. And, and to talk about, you know, to, to highlight, you know, the difficulty with knowing how to feel about your body, um, 
I'm in the thick of it right now, not even related to weight or physical, like how it looks and we're going to get into diet culture and all that, but like I got cancer. And at some point I think I might be pretty angry (laughs) at my body about that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, On the other hand, I've been just focusing on how well my body, body has been healing and like thanking it for healing so well, because I mean, it. So, so I guess my point is maybe you don't like the roll around your stomach, but you can walk five miles a day. So until you, you know, you don't have to wait to, until you can accept a hundred percent of your whole body to be grateful for the feet and the legs that carry you through the woods every day, you know, like, yeah. so, um, this doesn't have to, I think so often we get this all or nothing mentality And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I will also say, um, just to go back to the studies for a second, like, and then we'll take a a quick break, but um, engaging in acts of kindness and even witnessing acts of kindness. So surrounding yourself by people who are kind and do nice things for other people, teaching your kids to be kind, but also like noticing the kindness, I think like I think sometimes we're just so going through life so hurriedly, like there's kindness everywhere. There's people who say hi to people on the streets. There's doors that are open for people. There's someone who lets somebody merge. Like there's just, even in the most mundane things, you can find people showing kindness. And the thing is it boosts your oxytocin um, and that can lead to like great feelings of calmness and joy. And that's great. We all love all that. It can also release nitric oxide, which dilates blood vessels and reduces blood pressure. And it can reduce free radicals that cause disease. Like, like there is, there are physical benefits, which is why it's so important that these work together. It can reduce stress hormones. It can increase the hormones that fight stress hormones. Um, there's something they call a helper's high, which is like, I mean, I think a lot of you, if you've done any sort of charity or work or um, done anything where, you know, you've collected toys or around the holidays, it feels good. And it feels good to feel good. Like, and your body feels a little less stressed. And, you know, anyone who's experienced a panic attack knows that the body and the mind are inextricably bound. And so we really need to focus on being kind to our bodies and being kind to our minds. Um, So let's take a quick break. And then I want to come talk a little bit how to practice self-kindness. And you're right, Riley, we are totally doing backwards. I feel like we're going to end on a low note, um, but we're we're starting on a high note. So I'm okay with that. Um, (laughs) But we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, Tova, you know what I love? Coffee, definitions, uninterrupted reading time. Okay. All of those things are true, but I also love maps. As in Siri, take me to the beach. Yeah. Also, as in uh, who am I really and who do I want to be? Yeah, I figured that's what you meant. But I also have the beach on my mind. So, well, we were talking about things we love. So that definitely makes sense. But the map I was thinking about is our Defining You course. Yes. We put together Defining You as a way to map where you are, and how you want to live your life. So true. So many people struggle to find their purpose in a busy and noisy world. That's why we made Defining You, our course meant to guide you to creating your own mission statement. And there's good news. You can get it now on teachable.com. Find the link on our website at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash courses, or check out the link on our Instagram bio at Go boldly together. We can't wait to see you there. Now let's head back to the show. Okay, so welcome back. Um, I was interested in when I was reading all of this about kindness, like how do we practice kindness, right? So similar to what you were saying, Riley, there are ways to practice kindness to ourselves. There's um, saying nice things, kind of like shutting down those voices in our head that are being cruel to us, that are saying mean things to ourselves. Um, But there's other ways that that we can actually soothe our body. And I didn't, I never really thought about this because I always think of like physical touch as being something that you do with somebody else that you like 
give someone else a hug. But if there's a something that you recall, very big truck just drove by my house. Um, if there's something that you recall that maybe like felt good as a child that your parents did for you, or just feels good now, like it, there doesn't have to be like a core memory attached to it. You know, you can replicate that feeling or you can recreate that feeling or just create a new feeling. So maybe it's somebody you liked when your mom brushed your hair as a parent of boys, we don't have this experience, but I have heard it's usually awful, but maybe it was enjoyable for you as a child. Um, and so you could brush your hair, you could, um, you know, gently massage your own foot feet. You could, you know, someone, she even talks about, um, the person I'm reading who talks about working with her clients. She's a therapist, like gently rubbing your face, um, and like having like your hand on your cheek and how that can actually feel good. And so maybe that feels strange to you stroking your own arm or your hair or your feet face, but those are the kinds of things that you could actually do that does provide, um, it is an act of like kindness, physical kindness to yourself. Yeah. I think a lot of the physical self-soothing techniques that we all sort of unconsciously do. I mean, if you are the person who's twirling your hair around your finger, right? Like, or if you're the person like me, I'm constantly rubbing my forehead. Nobody did that when I was a kid. Um, Cause that's, that would be weird, but I just like, I do it and it calms me down and I feel better. Um, I was sitting in, you know, in the morning, drinking my coffee. And my son came up to me and he's like, mom, why do you always put your coffee cup on your face in the morning? It's so weird. And I said, well, it actually just feels really good. And I it like, I find it soothing. And he looked at me like I was, you know, out of my mind. And then I was like, here, you try. He did it. He was like, oh my gosh, that is, that's amazing. So now he likes it too. Um, but it, you know, these are the kinds of ways I personally can take care of my body and take care of you know, whenever like I feel some anxiety ramping up or I feel stress or even exhaustion, if I get a headache, these are sort of the things I, I start doing. And we all have those self-soothing habits, right? Like I also take showers, right? The, the, the hot water calms me down and makes me feel like cozy and nice and calmer and, and happier. Um, and I'm sure you all have your own ways of doing that. And maybe you haven't made the connection yet that that self-soothing behavior is also practicing kindness towards your body and towards your heart and your soul and all, you know, all of you, whatever makes you, you, um, it's a way of being there and present with your person when you need to be. Yes. Um, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, it, if it helps you to think of the mind and body as one in the same, great. If it's helpful for you to think of it as two separate entities that like your body can help calm your mind, I think that can sometimes be more helpful for somebody um, to figure it out. So one thing that you'll find when you start doing research in this area is you'll start coming across um, the concept of radical self-love. And there is an author who's phenomenal. And I highly recommend reading this book. And I was going to try to reread it before we did this podcast. And then I did it. So now it's still on my top list to reread. But um, Sonia Renee Taylor wrote the book, The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. And I will tell you, it is a trip and it is intense. And you're definitely going to read it. And there's going to be stuff that you're just not ready to hear. Like, and I don't mean you, Riley. I mean, anyone yeah. who reads it. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to read it a second time and in my current state, just to see how it hits. But, you know, she talks about how to love ourselves even a little bit is radical because our society specifically, she calls out a capitalist society does not want us to love ourselves. It doesn't want us to look at ourselves and think I'm enough or I'm more than enough and I'm great just the way I am. It doesn't ben any, benefit anybody if you don't want to dye your hair, if you don't want to spend money to lose weight, if you don't want to pay an astronomical amount of money to fix your wrinkles. And and just so you, you know, if, it, if you feel better because your hair's dyed, great, dye your hair. Like go to town, do what you need to do. Um, if you think, you know, but- make sure you know why you're doing it and make sure that it's an act of self-love and not self-hate, right? Like I know a lot of people, you dye your hair because 
you feel, you feel better and you like, and because you like that color, like you just like the way it looks on you and that's great. But if you're doing it because society has told you that brown flat hair or gray hair is wrong and bad, um, then maybe, you know, dig a little deeper. And, and to that end, I will say that it took me many years before I went to a metabolic doctor because I wanted mentally to get in the spot place where I was okay if I did not lose a single ounce for the rest of my life. And if I stayed exactly as I was, and I wanted to get to that place. And I wanted to be in a place where I wasn't waiting anymore um, to live my life, right? In order for me to lose weight. I wasn't waiting to try new things or start a podcast or business or do anything before I lost weight. And once I got in that place mentally, then I was like, okay, now I know that my confidence and self-esteem and value for myself is no longer related, but I am concerned because I do feel like something's out of whack with my body and that's okay because that's a physical thing, right? So we're not saying like, don't dye your hair if you want to dye your hair or don't get waxed or don't use wrinkle cream, whatever. But the fact is that there is a long game to a lot of the world and the industry and the United States, especially um, to get you to think that you need to better yourself, that it, it doesn't benefit any store if you like yourself just the way you are. Right. Right. And I think we're going to take another break on a second, but I just, I want to note that if you want to lose weight for you, there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm -hmm. If you want to gain weight for you, nothing wrong with that. Um, no, at no point are we suggesting that you should be stagnant and not considering what it is that you want for your life, right? It's the perspective of why are we making the decisions we're making? Where is the influence coming from? Is it an internal influence or is it from the outside world? It's right back to that inner voice conversation that we have had ad nauseum on this show of who is directing your actions? Is it you or is it culture or is it society or is it your mom or is it, you know, that ex-boyfriend from high school who is in your head telling you what it is that you need to be doing with your life? And if it's not you, that's what we want you to start addressing. That's the that's the perspective that we want you to start looking at and going, well, that's not my own voice. And that's not even something I believe. Um, and that's a really hard thing to do when it comes to our bodies, because there is so much cultural shame involved yeah. in not being, you know, the ideal physical specimen. Um, it's just a shaming culture when it comes to that. And um, we, Tova and I both have first experience firsthand experience with that. Um, I've seen it even with my kids um, and they're 11 and six or 10 and six. How old are they? <laughs> um, and it's, it's exhausting and awful. And uh, we as a society really need to do better. Um, on that note, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Now what I really love to do uh, take baths, go for walks, read, drink margaritas, hike. Yeah, not what I was referring to. You know we're recording a commercial right now. I do, but I'm thinking outside the box, being adaptable. As I was saying, what I love to do is host our live monthly workshops. Oh, right. That's what we were talking about. Me too. They are a lot of fun to put together and host every month. And we can bring margaritas, so... Join us for live conversation as we get a bit deeper into topics near and dear to our hearts. We go through everything from self-care to setting boundaries. We share coaching tips, practical advice, and take questions from the audience. It's a whole lot of fun. Sign up for our newsletter today at goboldlyinitiative.com slash contact to make sure you hear about all the upcoming Go Boldly workshops. You definitely don't want to miss out. Now, back to that show. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Before the break, I was up on my soapbox talking about uh, shame and diet culture. And uh, I saw it, Tova, you were about to say something. So I don't, I, I'm going to let you jump in. 
Well, I, I was just going to say that there's a couple people that I follow on Instagram that I will make sure that I share. And one woman's name, I am just totally at a loss for. And I'm not sure I've ever known it. And the other woman, um, I believe is named Katie Torino, but I'm not sure. And I will look it up as well. But one of the, um, one of the Instagram accounts, she, I believe is a former model, maybe a current model. I'm not sure that she spends a lot of time showing you how someone can look the way they look, whether it's on Instagram or a magazine, how they have to stand in a certain way. And she'll do a lot of like side-by-side photos where she'll be in a bikini or whatever. And you'll see her cellulite because that's normal for women to have. Cellulite is hundred percent normal. It's the way our bodies are made um, because we need extra fat to have babies. So unfortunately, even if you choose not to have a baby and you're a woman, you may still be stuck with cellulite, but, um, <laughs> so, but it's something very normal for people to have. And then also having a little pouch in front of your stomach is often something for women at a certain age to have. Like these are very normal things and she'll show her body where she's just standing there normal. And then she'll both show her body posed in a very specific way. And the whole point of that is it's the same body, literally the same body. Um, and even without filters, there's a drastic difference by just posing, Right. And so I find her to be um, really, like, was very eye-opening for me. Like, I knew the stuff. And you might be like, well, I know that. Of course, they pose. Yeah, I know. But to see it, in, in to see the same person showing you the difference is huge. Um, yeah. The other woman that I um, enjoy following, she will, she's a larger woman. Um, and she's tall. I don't know what size she is, 12, 16. I have no idea, but not two, right? She's not right. a zero or a two, which by the way, there's also nothing wrong with. Um, but she is her fuller size and she will recreate um, an actress's or model or somebody more famous's outfit. And she'll always say, it's never about who wore it better. That's just society trying to pull us down. It's just about feeling good. And it really hit me because I think a lot of us don't wear the clothing that we think that we could wear or want to wear or would like because we think we're too old or too big or whatever the case might be. And we've talked about this before about like your jeans are supposed to fit you. You're not supposed to fit your jeans. Um, but it's a hard, it's really a hard concept and we can be very, very hard on ourselves. And this is, I think, I think we're ready to jump into the fun topic of diet culture. Um, this is where I don't want to say it's not our fault, but it's not our fault. <laughs> like we are inundated and we have been for literally centuries with how a body should look. Even if that has changed, you know, you can look at decades, um, you know, from the twenties on or something and look at how models change their bodies change, but it's still, this There's the way it's supposed to be. And I mean, I was just watching a movie the other day, Love at First Sight, which I enjoyed. Melancholy, trigger warning, there's cancer. Who knew? Um, but they had very bushy eyebrows, the two main leads, which I found delightful. But apparently that was like trendy then. And now it's not trendy anymore. But now their eyebrows are stuck in like the trend. And it's just like, how is that a trend? Like, how is it not right. a trend? How is it just not the way your eyebrows, like your eyebrows are just your eyebrows. Right. But we've all seen trends with them. <laughs> um, but in 2022 nearly half of new year's resolutions in the United States were based on fitness or waste weight loss. We spend over three or excuse me, $30 billion on diet products annually and an estimated 45 million Americans diet every year. So there isn't an official definition of diet culture. Um, there Chrissy Harrison, um, who's author of Anti-Diet, published a good one a couple of years ago. Um, and she defined diet culture as a belief system that worships thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue. I could spend a year talking about equating something like your body to moral virtue. Yeah. Um, there is a wonderful book called How to Clean Your House When You're Drowning, I think. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how we equate a lot to morals and moral virtue yep. that have nothing to like it, you know, 
not emptying your dishwasher right away has nothing to do with whether you are like virtuous or not. Yeah. Well, we just had this conversation last night because I, I can't believe I'm even telling people this in in real life. Oh my goodness. Um, but I, you know, I was making green beans for my kids to go with their dinner, which by the way, I was making dinner for them. So I should have been high-fiving myself like all along that they weren't just eating chicken nuggets that night, um, which is our norm. But I, I texted, my kids had chicken nuggets last night. Oh, mine are having that night. tonight. It's fine. Um, I texted Toba and I was like, why do I feel ashamed and like I'm a bad mom? Cause I'm about to microwave steam these green beans instead of cooking them on the stove. And it's so dumb. Like it's such a dumb thing to feel guilty about. I'm cooking them green beans for the love of everything. Did um, they eat them? They did. They did. They Amazing. ate them. And um, even my son, who's like, the world's pickiest eater. He ate, he gobbled up his green beans. We call them dinosaur bones. Um, and you know, but I had this like moment where the, it's almost like a ticker tape in my head. It just went along like inside my head going, you really should be cooking those on the stove. And why, who cares? And it's the same concept of like this obsession with the morality of your body. And that is not a thing but it is a thing, right? (laughs) Just so you know, if you are ever good friends with me, I may not be the supportive, most supportive person because I'm pretty sure I texted you back that Clara Huxtable wouldn't cook her vegetables. You did. You did. And you sent me a gift. Um, Yeah. So I apologize for that. You increased my shame. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's the, the thing is, is like, I can remember so many incidents of people talking about my body growing up commenting on my body, having thoughts and opinions about my body that like nobody, why, why do they have opinions about my body? And it's happening to my daughter. Like I hear it. I mean, I call it out now because I'm, you know, that mom, but like who she's not even 11 and people comment on how like grown up she looks and various facets of her physical being. And, um, and they comment on these things and they did with me in that moral virtue tone, right? Of like, well, if you don't, you know, watch what you eat, you're going to be kind of big when you're older or things like, you know, things of that nature. As You're if not going to be able to keep up with that diet when you get right. older. Or as if, as if that makes me like good, bad, otherwise as a human, right? Well, so that is huge. And, and I want to highlight that. Um, and I'm going to skip a little and I'm going to come back because there are, they're, they are doing more and more research and, and I'm going to try not to go off on a total tangent because I've spent a lot of time over the last six, six weeks with doctors yeah, and in hospitals yes. and being weighed and being asked, um, can you walk up a flight of stairs without getting winded? And I'm like, yes, because I walk three miles every day. Thank you. Um, but what they found is that healthcare professionals often believe that overweight patients are less compliant with advice about weight loss. So in a study of, and if you have ever tried to lose weight, you have probably learned that it's hard. (laughs) It can be very, sometimes it's easy, but a lot of times it's really hard and you can follow exactly what they tell you to do. And you can still not lose weight because I think at this point we should recognize it is not a killer calories in calories out proposition. But in a study of 2,500 overweight individuals in the United States, I don't know how they deem them to be overweight. And if it was the BMI, I will throw my laptop through my window, but that is a different conversation. (laughs) They found 53% reported receiving inappropriate comments from doctors about their weight. And these negative interactions with healthcare professionals were shown to deter patients from accessing medical care due to fears of being judged. Several studies have shown that obese individuals are less likely to take part in screening programs for breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer. And then you add on the fact that, so not only will they, you know, not go, you won't go and get screening. And, and maybe if, you know, I wouldn't technically obese. And so I'm a rule follower though. So I, I get my screenings, but who knows? you know, if I would not have gone because I have to get naked in front of a stranger and, you know, stick my boob into a squishy machine. Um, And so, you know, a lot of judgment comes with being fat or obese or having weight or whatever you want to describe it, having fat, not being fat. But um, the weight stigma has determined to have a greater impact on the health problems that overweight people experience 
than the actual weight itself. And I also just want to say, like, let's not confuse, let's not pretend that healthism, right? Which is like, no, we're just trying to be healthy, is not diet culture in sheep's clothing. And, and this is from somebody who does exercise every day and does try to eat the rainbows every day and doesn't do a great job of making my kids have green beans. But maybe now that I can microwave them, I will. I don't know. But I'm already in a bag. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's time once I have, once I get all the ice cream out of my freezer, lots of people bring you ice cream when you have surgery. I have yeah. a lot of it. I have, I have so much ice cream and soup in my freezer that I barely have enough room for the nuggets. Yeah. Um, but, but so, so in addition to causing things like, anxiety and depression, it means that they're, you know, they avoid, you're, you're going to avoid um, going to the doctor. And this can happen to anyone. This happens to people who are not obese, that they don't want to go in because they're 10 pounds overweight. And the doctor said, you know, you'll feel a little better if you lose that weight. Um, I have a, a very good friend who is struggling with long haul COVID symptoms. And one of the first things the doctor said to her was I think the issues with your lung capacity is that you need to lose weight. And fortunately, she called him out and said, no, I just had my lungs looked at. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, before COVID, and I was the same weight I am now, and they're different. It's not the weight, you know? And so, um, but it means people don't get their cancer screenings. They don't get preventative care. They don't learn about sexual health or willing to talk to somebody about sexual health because obviously nobody would have sex with somebody who's overweight. So they're not going to go see a doctor. Um, And so we are um, killing people in our society, you know, as much as losing 10 pounds could make somebody's life happier or something. I don't know that that's actually true. I think if you're happy, you're going to be happy, but um, we are literally killing people because of putting this pressure on them and having them not get the healthcare that they need. And I think so many medical statistics are skewed because we see that the um, results of when an obese person has breast cancer or some kind of cancer, um, their outcomes are so much worse. Well, do we know that it's because they're obese or, and maybe sometimes it is, or is it because they are, have been ignored, right? And they said, I think I have something weird here in my breast or my stomach. And they're like, well, let's lose 15 pounds and then see how it is, you know? And so now instead of treating somebody when they came in with symptoms, you're treating them six months later or a year later. And so, I mean, it is, it is very hard and maybe I, I should have ended the conversation with kindness, but I think I wanted to start with kindness because I think it's so important for us to know that we can fight back and fighting back is a, can be done in a really enjoyable way, right? Just being kind to ourselves and to other people. Yeah. I mean, it, and to be clear, it's, we're not saying you can like love and light it away, right? Like that's not... <laughs> that's not something we believe in. Um, and it's not, it's not active, but you can actively be kind to yourself and to other people and be aware of the way you're speaking about other people or, you know, the things that you say in front of your kids and the way you talk about your body in front of your kids. Um, you can, if, if you have kids, if you don't, then in front of your friends, even I know, I remember all of these conversations from my lifetime. And now I acknowledge that I am a sensitive human and, you know, all I'm particularly sensitive about my body. Um, but I don't, I don't think I'm alone in that. Like, I think a lot of people are. And so when we grow up hearing things about people's bodies, like about their, their faces and their butts and their arms and the way they move. And, and that's the conversation all the time. Um, it has a really, really big impact. It really affects the way we look at ourselves because we're thinking, well, and you, maybe you're not even consciously thinking, but in somewhere in you remembers the time that really important person to you commented on somebody else. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. oh no, what are they going to think about me? If that's me. Um, and that's so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy for us 
to start labeling our bodies as good or bad as, you know, moral or immoral. It's not, it's just impossible to actually, um, to actually quantify that, right? Like your body is neither moral nor immoral. Your body is, you know, a, a, well, I don't want to say what I think it is, but it's a vessel. <laughs> I had something less pleasant to say. Um, and so, you know, when we get stuck in these modes where we're thinking about like, well, like you said, Toba, like if I just lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy. Uh, okay. But you know, that, that translates to so many other parts of our lives, right? Like if I just quit my job and do something else, I'll be happy. If I just, you know, get divorced and move on in a different way, I'll be happy. And the reality is that, you know, maybe the divorce one isn't, isn't as accurate because I know many people who are much happier. Um, but the reality is the happiness is from the inside out, right? And so changing your environment isn't necessarily going to make you happier. Now, if you're changing your job because you know, you realize you have a passion for cooking and you want to go work in a cafe and you go do that, then yeah, you might, you might be happier. Um, if it's just because, you know, you're not happy with yourself to begin with, then that's a different conversation. And it's the same with your body, right? Like if, if you are not happy with yourself internally, and I don't mean a hundred percent happy. I think you said this earlier too, Tova, like nothing is all, you know, it's not all or nothing. It's not black and yeah. white. It's not, you know, Oh, I love every single aspect of my body all the time because that's just crazy. Like I don't love every single aspect of anything all the time. Like that's just not how humans work. Um, but letting go of the need to fit in and look like you're expected to look, you know, and I say expected in quotes, um, the way that our culture tells us we're meant to, to look in order to be that ideal person, letting that go relieves you of the burden of meeting other people's expectations. And then you just have to meet your own, whatever those are. Yeah. Um, I know we need to wrap up. Mm. Um, and, but, but yeah, I think, you know, this is going to be, this is sort of the foundation for a conversation that we'll have throughout the year, um, throughout the season, probably throughout the rest of our lives. Um, but while you were talking, you know, I was thinking of examples of, for example, like Lizzo, you know, when we look at Lizzo, um, on any BMI chart or any chart, she would be considered obese, but I don't think most people could physically do what she does on the night of a concert. Right. And the amount of prep and exercise that has to go in to get her body ready to do that. And in, in her ability to put on a concert or even like, let's say Beyonce, would be considered obese, like, which I know is, you know, makes your head explode. But, you know, that goes to the section that we haven't talked about, which is how racist and anti-blackness oh, yeah. is just baked into diet culture and the way body should look. So we don't, we are not going to get into that in the interest of time, but just know that there are deep, dark roots in diet culture for black people even more and black women than, um, our society has already done. Um, but then you look at even Taylor Swift, who is on record as having gained, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds for this concert series that she's putting on because she knew that when she was as thin as her ultimate thinness, it was not healthy. It was not, she was not able to exist happily that way. And also if she wanted to do what she needed to do for this concert, which I haven't gone, but it seems like it's a 17 hour concert with 38,000 costume changes, right. and lots of high kicks. <laughs> um, she would not be able to, and by the way, I would go there in an instant. It just happened that I did not get tickets. Yeah. Um, so like, this is no shade on Taylor Swift because I no, love her. No. Um, but she would not be able to physically do what she needed to do if she was skinnier or thinner. Now, mind you, that is not a criticism of somebody who is thin. That is a criticism of our diet culture that equates thinness with healthiness. Right. And so um, there are a lot of people who are just the way they are. I mean, I will tell you, my kids have three very different body types and um, it is the hardest on the one who is the thinnest. He is a boy. He does not want to be thin um, and he eats more than me. Um, and you know, so 
the point is this is going to be this is the beginning not the end of the conversation um but we wanted to have a base level of why all of this is so important when we're talking about how is your heart literally the things we do with our mind affect our actual heart but then also on a um you know spiritual level we're also asking that but there there is a very close physical connection with how we feel about ourselves and how our body exists. Right. Um, well, do we have homework for the week or? So I didn't have any, but I have some now. Okay. So we can give some to folks. Sure. So this um, may be hard homework, maybe easy homework. I don't know. I would just like you to make a list. Hopefully there's at least five things on it of um five things that you like about your body and then i want you to make a list of five ways that you can be kind to yourself this week now if you want to go back to the tried and true self-care things fine like i like getting pedicures because somebody massages my feet and i happen to get paint on them and they look pretty but um you know, whatever it is, but five ways that you can practice kindness to yourself in case you're in a season of your life where there's not a lot of kindness coming in from other people. And like I said, five things that you love about yourself. And remember, you don't have to love your whole body and you don't have to erase that. Like, I love that my legs take me walking three miles every day. I hate that they jiggle. Well, okay, fine. You can still hate that they jiggle, but love that they take you walking three times every, you know, three miles every day, whatever it is. So just make those lists and maybe put them, you know, maybe if you're trying, if you live with other people, you don't want them on your bulletin board. If you don't put them on your refrigerator, your bulletin board, put them somewhere. Um, But otherwise maybe put them in your planner, put them on a sticky note in your planner, just so you can see them every day for a week and just see how you feel at the end of the week. We can practice kindness to ourselves. That's why it's called practice. Right. And we do have to practice, to be honest. Yes. Um, Well, that is it for this week. I know it's a heavy, heavy conversation, but it's a, it's an important one to have. We will be back next week with more on how is your heart, where we're diving into our emotional states and uh, how that impacts everything, which another heavy conversation, but I think um, a necessary one. So until then, everybody have a fantastic week. Reach out anytime. We are always thrilled to have you with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.